This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Most of you know me, but there might be a few that don't, uh, and so I'll introduce myself real quick. I uh, am Pastor Dave's older and more handsome brother. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm Josh, and actually I'm going to bring my wife up just for a second, just because I love to. Um, so I'm Josh, and this is my lovely wife, Julie. And uh, I'm uh, normally I'm stuck uh, pl- playing keyboard or behind the guitar, but Pastor Dave asked uh, if I would switch him tonight, and so I wore the old man cardigan, and he wore the the hippies. The hippie jacket for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing Cletus is holding him back back there. Um, but yeah, so uh, Julie and I, uh, we do music here, but we also do the uh, marriage ministry. And so, um, and actually, as of this Friday, Julie and I will have been married for 11 years. So, some people have been married a lot longer, and some people a lot shorter, but. Uh, We've still got a lot more to go. I'm excited. Uh, I'm glad that after all of these years, we're still in love and that, uh, yeah. And uh, after, yeah, after, after everything uh, that she can still just love me and, and uh, despite all of my faults, she can still uh, love on me, pay me a compliment. In fact, the other day, I was looking uh, in the mirror as I was getting dressed and uh, I, t- I said, Julie, you know, when I look in the mirror, I'm not as young as when we first got married. I look, I feel like I look old. I, I look fat. I'm starting to get wrinkles on my face. I, I said, I said, could you, baby, could you pay me a compliment? And so she looked at me and she said, your eyesight is darn near perfect. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Just kidding. Yeah. That was a joke. Sorry. Pastor Dave has his uh, dad joke, so I, I thought I'd throw in a grandpa joke for y'all. But, yeah, so that, thank you. Thank you, baby, for coming up. Um, <laughs> so, um, since I am the uh, normally do the marriage ministry, uh, I had this cool uh, message that I wrote back uh, a, a while back around Christmas. And uh, it was because normally we have a big... Um, dinner for all the married couples where we have a pitch in and then we do a little thing together and so i had this really cool message called uh marriage lessons from mary and joseph and uh i didn't get to preach it in december because we shut down the whole country and we didn't get to have um our marriage event like we normally have so i still really liked this message and i'm like you know what i think that we can turn this into a message for Wednesday night. So what I did uh, was um, I retitled this message to uh, Life Lessons from Mary and Joseph instead of just Marriage Lessons. And so it still is Christmassy, but I did wear my Christmas sweater. And uh, much to Julie's chagrin, I wore my uh, Christmas socks. I don't know if you can see those there. <laughs> she kind of rolled her eyes when I put those on, too. But I, I was like, you know what? It may be March, and it may be warming up, but I'm going to use this Christmas lesson, so bear with me. Uh, uh, Let me say a quick prayer, and then we'll get right into the Word tonight. So, uh, Father God, in Jesus' name, 
We just love you, Lord God, and we're so thankful, Lord, for your word that no matter what, it never returns void. So uh, as I uh, get ready to speak tonight, I just ask that you'd give me the right words to speak and that uh, any words that are not of you would just fall to the ground and instead only your word will remain since it never returns void. It always accomplishes everything that you would have it to do. And uh, we ask that at the end of the night, you get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, what I'm going to teach tonight are three life lessons we can learn from Mary and Joseph. And the first one here uh, is that they stuck with God. Mary and Joseph stuck with God. So I'm going to uh, give you a, a read a scripture here real quick to us. You can turn there if you want. It's in uh, Luke chapter 1. Amen. I'm going to grab my water bottle while you do that. Luke chapter 1, and then uh, once you get there, we'll flip down to uh, verse 26, and I'll read it to us. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary uh, asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And here's a real famous scripture, verse 37. Uh, in this version it says, for the Lord of, word of the Lord will never fail. Uh, but in most versions it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Uh, and then uh, verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So if you think about this, uh, most scholars will tell you that uh, Mary was was pretty young at this point. Obviously, she wasn't uh, uh, she was still engaged. She hadn't been married yet. She was still a virgin. And then this angel comes and tells her this crazy story. But as unbelievable as it all sounded, Mary still trusted God. She trusted God no matter how crazy it sounded, because Mary knew how important it was to stick with God. Um, but it wasn't just Mary, since this is life lessons from Mary and Joseph. Joseph plays into this story as well. Um, let's look over, uh, if you can, real quick to uh, Matthew chapter 1. And let's hear uh, real quick Joseph's side of the story. And I almost think that Joseph might have had a little bit more tough of a time uh, with things, but let's let's read this real quick. Matthew uh, Matthew chapter one and verse 
18. And it says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Uh, so hearing this crazy story, uh, the reason I think that it might maybe have been a little bit more difficult for Joseph is because think about this. Uh, you, you know, you're getting ready to get married and you've never uh, consummated anything with your fiance or your wife. Uh, and suddenly she comes up and tells you that she's expecting a child. Most guys are going to be like, whoa, what's going on here? And especially when she says, yeah, the Holy Spirit told me I'm going to have a baby. You're going to be like, what What are you talking about? They didn't know what the Holy Spirit even was back then. But Joseph trusted God even though it looked like this situation made no sense at all. Uh, and because of that, him and Mary trusted God, and she was able to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the whole world. And it was because Joseph and Mary both trusted God. Uh, without that, you know, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> well, uh, we, we won't speculate. <laughs> but uh, it's important that we stick with God in life and in marriage. Um, but the, the, the next thing I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes is not only did they stick with God, they stuck with each other. Uh, and uh, I just uh, looked this up today. Uh, and so, Julie, if you're going through the, our search history on the computer and you see uh, the term no-fault divorce in our history, it's because I was preparing for the sermon. <laughs> I wasn't looking for divorce. Just kidding. Um, But I found out that uh, no-fault divorce became legal uh, in California on January 1st of 1970. Um, And then not too long after California legalized that, pretty much every state soon followed suit. Uh, And no-fault divorce means that you can just pretty much get divorced for any reason you want. You don't have – prior to this, you know, you had to prove – abuse or adultery or something before you could get divorced. Um, but when this law uh, came to pass uh, in 1970, it started a divorce epidemic, and people just nowadays get divorced for any reason they want. Um, in fact, I looked up uh, a, couple, a few of the stupidest reasons that people have got divorced. And so uh, just bear with me for a second. I thought these were kind of interesting. Uh, the first one here is that... Uh, a 34-year-old man filed for divorce from his 28-year-old bride just days after the wedding after he saw her without makeup. 
<laughs> it says, according to Dr. Abdul Azaf, a psychologist at the clinic where the woman sought help in recovering from her psychological suffering as a result. Um, apparently, the man felt that his wife had deceived him with cosmetics, including false eyelashes. This, uh, this deception was discovered when they went to the beach uh, and she went swimming and washed all her makeup off. And so <laughs> I don't know if that was on the honeymoon or what, but her makeup all washed up and he's he had enough. And uh, prior to 1970, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, but that's the, I just thought that was pretty stupid, you know. Yeah. But here, listen to this one. Uh, here's another one. Stupidest reasons people have got divorced. Uh, in 2009, a German woman filed for divorce after her husband knocked down and rebuilt a wall in their home because he said it got, got dirty. Um, this was apparently the final straw in a 15-year marriage when the husband obsessively cleaned the house and rearranged the furniture. So, <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if I came home and Julie knocked over, knocked over the wall. But that seems like a silly thing. Obviously, if she knew her husband had issues, if he was constantly obsessively cleaning and being weird their, their entire marriage. And prior to 1970, they would have just had to work that out. Um <laughs> Uh, here's 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 the last one. Here's the last one. Uh, for one Japanese couple who had been married for six years, the movie Frozen uh, was the deal breaker. After watching the movie together, he made the mistake of asking, did you really think it was that good? <laughs> and apparently she did, because the fact that uh, he uh, that he even asked the question made her question what sort of person she was married to. And she uh, she decided that she couldn't let it go after all of that, and she soon filed for divorce. Yeah, hey, sorry, sorry. Um, but <laughs> these are the stupid things that people nowadays, honest to goodness, you can look these stories up, that people uh, get divorced for. Uh, but since I'm talking about Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph went through a lot together. I wanted to look real quick at a couple of things that they had to go through, and they decided to stick it together. Um, the first thing they did is uh, they had to spend the night in a barn with barn animals. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says that she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And so... Uh, she had just given birth, and uh, I guess Joseph didn't arrange ahead for make arrangements or whatever, so they had to stay the night in a barn with barn animals. And can you imagine nowadays? That'd be like instant divorce. Hey, you're making me sleep out here with barn animals with my newborn baby? Uh, but they stuck together through all of that. Uh, something else they did uh, that not everybody knows, but... Uh, Right, not too long after they had had birth, they had to run for their lives to Egypt with a, with a young baby. Um, in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 13 and 14, it says, uh, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay here until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. So this is a lot of stress on a couple who hasn't been married for that long. They've got freshly married, they've got a, a, a newborn baby, and they're having to run for their lives from Israel all the way several countries away to Egypt, a foreign land to them. That's a lot of stress to be having on a young marriage uh, and, a, and a new uh, baby in your life. But they stuck through it, through all that, and we can see through Scripture they stayed together, you know, up until we presume Joseph passed away. But um, something else they did, and this is something that hopefully none of us have to go through, but I know this one, uh, maybe some of us might, <laughs> uh, is that they, they lost their child during their family vacation. Uh, let's look at this story real quick. In Luke chapter 2, I'll flip over there real quick. That will give me a chance to drink some water. I have to point out my water drinking because it drives my wife nuts. Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 41. And it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So this is a pretty crazy situation if you think about it. They're on their annual family vacation, and they lose their oldest son, looks like for most of the day. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, Pastor Dave can correct me here, but I think that this same sort of thing happened to Katie when she was younger. I think, or maybe her sister. They, her sister, yeah, they were on a family vacation, stopped to get gas. And one of yeah, one, it was in the days pre-cell phone, one of them got out to use the re- Katie's sister got out to use the restroom. And they didn't realize it, so the rest of the family took off and, and didn't realize when, what, an hour later or something. Oh, yeah, she was all by a uh, teenage girl all by herself at a truck stop in Alabama. And they didn't realize until an hour or two later that they had left their daughter uh, at this truck stop. So that's why I said maybe, hopefully it doesn't happen to us, but this is something that maybe some more of us can relate to. But uh, even though they lost their son, Mary and Joseph stuck together. Uh, through all of that. So, uh, life lesson from them is that you need to stick together. Um, 
And a little side note here, something uh, I wrote down is that as you're as you're married and as you're raising your family and everything, the most important thing you can do for your children is to have a healthy and loving relationship with your spouse. Um, and a lot of people get this one out of order. Um, and just to, to be completely clear and blunt, what I mean is that your spouse needs to come before your kids. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to the children in a minute. You'll see the importance of children in a minute. But I just need uh, to discuss real quick the importance of your of putting your spouse first. And now I'm not suggesting that you be like Mary and Joseph and, and are so into your spouse that you don't realize that your children are missing on family vacation or whatever. But what I am saying is that as a parent, if you're doing if you really do your job right, you're gonna have your children with you for eighteen to twenty years, if you're doing your job right. But you're gonna be stuck with that spouse of yours for fifty, sixty years. So you need to know, make sure you know how to get along with them. And, uh, you know, before you start looking at me sideways, you are the one that chose that person. So you brought it on yourself. <laughs> the, the main thing uh, that I'm saying, though, is that when you love your spouse and you put them first, it means that your children are going to have a loving home to grow up in. And that's way more important than making sure that they're doted on 24-7 and that you're always there at every beck and call. Um, I heard something the other day. Uh, we've all probably heard the term uh, helicopter parent. They said that, that this new generation is actually taking it a step further, and they're no longer helicopter parents. They're what they refer to as lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents. And what they mean by that is that parents nowadays – not only are they hovering around to make sure that everything goes right for their kid, they're like a lawnmower, clearing all the weeds out of the way so their children never have to face any challenges or obstacles in life. <laughs> um, and honestly, you know, I've got three soon-to-be-four kids myself. I won't claim to be an expert, but I don't think that you're doing your child any favors if you're not, uh, not letting them learn how to overcome obstacles in life. They need to learn how to overcome stuff, so... You need to make sure that, you know, they learn how to, to think for themselves, how to, to overcome challenges in life. Um, something else I jotted down here is that, you know, putting your spouse above your kids does not necessarily mean that you're going to be spending more time with your spouse than with your kids. Um, because, you know, think about it. When you've got, like, a newborn, you're spending, like, every waking minute with them. And that's just a season of life. It's a... It's the same thing, like, you know, we're supposed to put God before our spouse, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily are spending, you know, more time devoted just, let me make sure I say this way, that we're spending, like, more time necessarily with God than with our spouse, because you're not getting up, and most of us, other than, like, Pastor Dave, don't have seven hours a day to, to read our Bibles and pray. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um that doesn't mean, you know, sometimes if if I'm getting up, help, helping Julie get the kids ready for school or whatever, I may only have 15 or 20 or 30 minutes to read my Bible in the morning. But that doesn't mean that I love my kids 
and my wife more than I love Jesus, that I'm putting that relationship first. Even though in my heart I'm putting them first. So putting your spouse or putting Jesus first doesn't necessarily mean time. So don't feel bad like if, uh, you know, if you're having to spend all this time with your kids and you feel like you're neglecting your spouse. You know, you're, there are seasons where you have to spend more time with your spouse than with your kids. Or I mean your kids than with your spouse. But you need to make sure that you're prioritizing your relationship with your spouse. Um, something that Julie and I do, and I think I might have learned this from my older brother, Ben, uh, and his wife, Melissa, is uh, every night we try to put our kids to bed at a semi-decent time. Usually we try to have our – and I know this won't work for everybody, but we try to have our kids trained to go to bed around 8, 8.30. That way Julie and I have an hour to spend together pretty much every night uh, before – we get uh, go to bed. So even if we're just sitting there vegging out on the couch for a minute, we've got a little bit of time together. And even though we've both spent all day but since I work from home and she is home all day, we spent all day with the kids. We're still prioritizing our marriage by taking half hour, an hour before we start winding down to spend time together. And I think that's something uh, that is important for for everybody. And I know we've got a few empty nesters in here, and they could probably attest, you know, about making sure that you have that relationship with your spouse, uh, otherwise when those kids move out, you're going to drive each other nuts because you don't know how to spend time together. Um, so that's just something important. So um, all of this aside, stick with your spouse, even above your kids, even though I don't mean neglecting your kids. You know what I mean? Um, but the third thing that we can learn uh, from Mary and Joseph is they did stick with God, they did stick with each other, but they also, they stuck with their children. So they didn't neglect their children, they stuck with their children. Um, one thing that uh, Joseph did is that Joseph passed the family's trade on to his son, Jesus. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, I'll read this one real quick, uh, it says that Jesus, he, Jesus, returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and the power to do these miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. So everybody knew that his father was, that Jesus' father on earth was a carpenter. But not only that, not only was he the carpenter's son, he was also a carpenter himself. So evidently he his father taught him these skills because he was taking that time to devote to his children. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it's a different uh, telling of this same story. It says, they, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. So he himself is a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And then it says they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. But Joseph took the time to teach his son uh, a good life skill back then. It was very important that you had a skill. So Joseph took the time to raise his son to be a carpenter. Um, but not only that, um, his mother Mary, she believed in him before he did a single miracle. Now, uh, since since I'm wearing my Christmas socks, I'm going to talk about Christmas for just a second. It's just a little personal pet peeve of mine. Um, we've all probably heard that song, Mary, Did You Know? And it asks all these questions, like, Mary, did you know that your son would do this and do that? And then as I got to thinking about it, 
you know, I'm pretty sure she did know because she literally had an angel appear out of nowhere and tell her that her son was going to do all of these amazing things. So I, so I, I don't know how scriptural that song is. I'm sure it's a lovely song. But at, uh, at the Christmas service, you probably won't hear me singing that because uh, the contradiction, the way my mind works, it's a contradiction. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mary did know because she literally had an angel tell her that her son would do all of these amazing things. Um, but let's look at this. Uh, let's uh, look real quick at um, John chapter 2. You can flip over there if you want. John chapter 2, and we're showing how uh, Mary believed in Jesus uh, before he had done a single miracle. And in fact, um, he was in his, uh, I think, 30 before he did a first miracle. So she'd had uh, this angel appear to her and tell her that her son was going to do all these amazing things. But then the first 30 years, he doesn't do any miracles at all or anything, you know, miraculous as far as that goes. But Mary still believed in him. And look at this. John chapter uh, 2, verse 1, it says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and, um, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then, you know, we all know the story that he has them bring out uh, some pitchers of water and he miraculously turns those uh, into wine. But look at this in verse 11. It says this miraculous sign that Cana and Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So his disciples believed in him at this point, but up until then, he hadn't done anything miraculous, yet all this time his mother believed in him, even though she went the first 30 years of not seeing anything. You know, I mean, she she knew because the angel appeared to him, but she didn't do any miracles, it says. This was his first miracle, and she still believed in him. And then the other thing she did, and this is uh, this is important, even when all of his friends and all of his disciples abandoned him, his mother, Mary, was still there with him. Um, so, you know, we're familiar with the crucifixion. Uh, right before, you know, after Jesus is arrested, the disciples uh, all scatter and they all run off. And then uh, Pastor Dave preached about it, I think, on Sunday. Um, Peter even gets up there and he denies vehemently that he even knew who Jesus was. He gets... He's so uh, angry, he even says, he starts cussing to try to prove his point. You know, like, hey, if I was with Jesus, would I be here cussing and telling you no? Uh, and that's what he did. All the disciples scattered, uh, some in, uh, in crazy ways like Peter. But with, even with all of that, Jesus' mother was still there with him. Uh, in John 19, uh, verse 25, it says, uh, it says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So even after everybody else ran off, Jesus' mother was still there for him. 
so that that's an important thing that we can that we can learn, you know, uh we're always there even though I said you put your spouse first, you're still always going to be there for your kids no matter what. And so these are just things that we can learn um from Mary and Joseph. So um just to to kind of to recap a little bit. The number one thing is that they they stuck with God no matter what, even no matter what the circumstances looked like around them. So uh, as as Christians, we need to make sure that we always put God first in everything. Uh, the Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says that we're to seek uh, the kingdom of God above all else. That needs to be our first, uh, our first priority. And, and the King James, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we need to always put God first. The second thing is they they stuck with each other. We all need to learn how to stick with our spouse through thick and thin. Through uh, through easy and through hard, we need to stick together. And we saw, you know, there were some funny examples of, of silly reasons people got, got divorced. But Mary and Joseph faced some real serious things together, and they stuck together. And that's an example that we can follow. Uh, follow. And that's why I also said, you know, the best thing you can do for your kids is to have a loving marriage with your spouse. It seems contradictory to put your spouse first, but in the long run, your children will be better off to know that they have a loving, safe home. And then the third thing that we said was that they stuck with their children. So we need to learn to always be there for our children and always believe in them. You know, you can't be uh, putting down on your children or uh, uh, I think I've... I was remembering, uh, you know, my brother Joe was a bit of a challenge growing up, to say the least. But uh, no matter what, uh, my dad, <laughs> even if Joe did the dumbest thing, which he did quite frequently, and hopefully he's watching so he can hear me. I'll look at the camera for a minute. Because he still does some of the dumbest things. Yes, he does. My brother will attest to that. But... uh <laughs> No matter how, what dumb things Joe did, my dad never called him stupid or dumb. My my dad does this thing when he gets mad. Uh, instead of uh, cussing or, or yelling or whatever, he'll start praying in tongues really loud. So I said that he cusses in tongues. Hopefully that's not sacrilegious. <laughs> but uh, oh, you know what I forgot? I think dad and mom are probably watching, and I think my in-laws are probably watching too, Julie said. So uh, they have a lovely daughter, and she's just the most amazing. Just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but what I was trying to say uh, is no matter how stupid Joe was acting, uh, my dad would always call him a little blessing because the book of Psalms says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, no matter what he did, and so that's something I'm trying to incorporate in my own life. Uh, if my kids do something stupid, instead of saying, "Oh man, you're so stupid," or "You're such a turd," I'm trying to, as silly as it sounds, I'm trying to to train myself like my dad to say, "You know, you're you're a blessing, even if it's through gritted teeth." Uh, but <laughs> we need to make sure that we're always there for our children and believe in them, no matter what we see. Uh, part of, uh, of faith, and we preach faith a lot here, is that we need to uh, don't speak what you see, speak what you want. 
And so uh, if you want your kids to grow up to be stupid and to be dumb and be turds, then call them that by all means. But if you want them to be a blessing to your life, speak what you want, not what you see. So, uh, you know, my children are blessings from the Lord. My son loves to clap and sing during praise and worship. In Jesus' name. The worship leader's son is not the only kid sitting down here staring at me like I'm a moron. But I'm speaking what I want and not what I always say. Uh, sorry, but that's uh, stick with God, stick with each other, and stick with your children. And that's uh, about all I've got for tonight, so I'll probably uh, ask Pastor Dave to come back up here. And... Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.